Hey, hey! Welcome to Bonus Barrel! I am Rob, and with me is... Uh, Laugh. And Seiji. Laugh's here! I know that uh, at least two people will be excited. BBQ crew and my, my, my friend who also listens to the show. He thinks Laugh's funny. So that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, you, you, you told me that. That was very nice of him. I appreciate that. Left, you've been on a long time. What, what, what have you been playing? You've been playing some games, Left? Lots of games. Tell um, us about your games. Jeez. So, have I been on the show since I bought a Switch? I don't think I have. No. no. So I bought a Switch. Congrats. So that was one big thing. And I bought it just so I could play Pokemon because I hear that the animations are horrible. So I wanted to hate it. But I oh, love you're right. it. Oh so, no. no I'm just I'm just kidding. I have no I have no idea what the complaints were. Unless they got fixed by the time I played it, but everything's fine to me. Um, the I really like Pokemon. It was complaining that they're basically the same as the three uh, DS. That's a dumb complaint. You're dumb for complaining about that. Um, <laughs> but no, I really like Pokemon. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I then uh, opted into the N- Nintendo Switch Online, and then I got the NES and SNES emulators. And then I've only played that since I started doing that. Um, so I've been just doing a lot of old games. Like I just, I, I like, I beat ninja gaiden for fun i mean all of these are with like say or the emulators and it's not even a safe state anymore you just like rewind time like you have magic prince of persia powers so it's like super easy like i beat super ghost and ghouls but you know no no real credit goes to me because i'm rewinding time anytime i would take a hit um it was more or less just because i wanted to get through them which was fun and i had a great time um and then I undertook the challenge of beating Breath of Fire 1 and Breath of Fire 2. And I'm at the very end of Breath of Fire 2. I just, in, like, two weeks ago, I got there. I just haven't finished it yet. Because it's like, do you ever read, like, a really good book and you don't want it to end? That's kind of the boat that I'm in now. So I just haven't gotten to finish it because I, I, I don't want to. Because I just, for some reason, want to keep it juggling it for some reason. But I need to get back to Breath of Fire 2 and finish that soon. You really like Breath of Fire 2. Yeah, Breath of Fire Two is really good. Breath of Fire One, I just had to grip my teeth and get through it. But Breath of Fire Two, I've been, I've been secretly, I mean, I mean, secretly, super enjoying. Um, so it it holds up pretty well to to modern day stuff, where the first one didn't. Um, then what I did is I went back and I played some bonus barrel hits that I never <laughs> played. Um, starting with Monster Prom, you guys did Monster Prom for Valentine's did, Day yeah. episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I played Monster Prom and I loved it. Oh, um, nice! Oh, really? Yeah, it was it was hilarious and spectacular. Uh, I I I didn't have a whole lot of expectations, but I I loved it. It was f- so funny. Um, Who'd and you go then, for? Uh, I first went for the the Poltergeist because she's just absolutely fucking wild. So I wanted to to emulate that. So it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it took me a couple playthroughs to actually like you know, get a good ending. And then I played again just yesterday and then I went after the Gorgon and I got a good ending. So that was, uh, that was good. Do you want to damage it? Uh, monster prom. Okay. Uh, it was really funny. Cause I was telling my roommate that I was playing it 
And then he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I was looking at that. He's like, do you think it would be good for my my uh, niece to play? And I'm like, I don't think so. Like, I was doing, like, meth with demons in the game. So I don't think it's something you want to be showing your kids to. Um, so, like, I don't know. Like, I really liked it. And I would I would go uh, a quarter damage to, to Monster Prom. All right. Recorded. Um, <laughs> and then the other game uh, was Papers, Please. Uh, I just picked that up yesterday and I played, I didn't play it a whole lot, uh, but I really liked it. I thought it was really fun. Uh, it's very depressing. Uh, I, I had like my entire family die pretty quickly in the game. I found like mm-hmm. four days in and my entire family was dead. And, and then I got arrested cause I couldn't pay the rent. So I was like, Oh, okay. Um, so it was interesting. I didn't realize I could get game over, which is why I was just like, letting people into the country that I was just like thought were justified and um I was kicking people out because like there's that one sketchy part where basically this girl is like there's this guy who's gonna prostitute me can you not let him into the country and I'm like yeah of course I'm not gonna let that guy in so I didn't let him in and then my family died and I got thrown in jail and I was like well that may have been the wrong choice for me um but it's it's a fun game it's very dark kind of makes you think a little bit especially like during nowadays it was it was an interesting play and i and i really liked it and it's super easy to play and makes you think so i'm gonna go no damage on papers please record it i think those only specific bonus barrel hits that i played and uh, yeah yeah so that's kind of the games i've been playing lately yeah we need some news we need something to get excited this year i guess well, I saw that there's a new Paper Mario in August that looks kind of neat. Oh, but yeah. There have been all doo-doo since the second one. So I, I, I don't get excited about Paper Mario. I played only the first Paper Mario, and I really, really like it. And I'd never played Thousand Year Door. Um, but I hear, I hear Thousand Year Door is really good. And yes. I immediately, as soon as I saw like them advertising the new one on the Switch store, I immediately like I want to buy and play the original on Switch, but it's not there, which was really disappointing. So I hope they put old Paper Mario games on there. I would love to play those. Oh man, the original one is uh, is fantastic. One of my favorite RPGs. Yeah, it's really really good. The second one, unfortunately, I haven't been able to play because I I think it's only on the on the GameCube. It never got released on any sort of uh, virtual console. Do you have it, Rob? Uh, I believe I do own it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I first, so ages ago, ages, ages, like we're talking almost 20 years ago, I remember I got like a GST tech, and instead of being responsible with it, I went out and bought a, I think a new TV. And it was it's funny, I, I'll say it was flat screen, but it wasn't, it just screen it was flat, but it was still one of those giant box TVs, so that's how old it was. And I bought like a GameCube, and I remember I bought a handful of games, and one of them was Thousand Year Door. Another one was Byton Kaidos and Smash Bros. Melee and stuff. And uh, that was my first time owning a GameCube. But it was this, this would have been late in the GameCube's life when I did buy it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't still have that one, but I, I did re-get it. So a Nintendo Direct would be really great anytime. Anytime now. Please. I just want to be excited. I'm not excited about anything this year. Like, there are definitely games. Like, Pokemon and, uh, Ar- uh, Isle of Armor or whatever is out like two weeks that's the first um, big experience back for pokemon Sword and shield i'm definitely gonna play that no i need to i need to finish pokemon then yeah man get on that shit well i'll actually be playing at the same time when that comes out so that'll be fun yeah that would be good that would be good 
Um, well, like, so the big thing that got me on to uh, wanting to switch and wanting to play the new Pokemon was, so I I was really wanting to play something that wasn't on my computer, because in the current climate, I've been working from home, and then I've been playing computer games a lot, and I was sitting at my computer all day playing games for work and, and after work. So I was getting really sick of sitting on my computer, so that's why I busted up to 3DS. And my first decision is I wanted to do a Nuzlocke run for Pokemon <laughs> X and Y. So I did it. I didn't win. I, I, I made it to, I got seven out of eight gym badges. And then there's a part in the game when you're on your way to the final gym badge, we have to fight all of your rivals. Cause you have like four rivals in that game, sort of, um, you have oh, to fight yeah. all of them in a row and it kind of fucks up the, the Nuzlocke run. Cause they auto heal your Pokemon after each battle, which is kind of a no, no for the Nuzlocke run. Cause it's all about the challenge. Um, so I had to like, not use ones that were fainted or keep in mind how much health they had left at the end of a fight. But anyways, I, I ended up losing it there. Um, but it was, it was a really good run and now I'm obsessed with doing Nuzlocke runs and I want to do more and I really want to do one for sword and shield. Um, but I'm super hesitant at this point because like what, what was really pissed me off now is that I, so I had an X file um, with 300 hours into it, where I did a lot of stuff, I bred a lot of Pokemon. I caught, I got every single grass Pokemon, um, and I was really happy with that. And then I deleted all of it, and then so I could start over. And now I have a switch, and I could have transferred everything to my Pokemon bank, but I don't have that option anymore. So I, I, I ended up shooting myself in the foot. If you do want to do a Nuzlocke one again in the future, at least you can move everything to Pokemon Home. And yep. then delete the file if you so want, and take a screenshot of your your file stats and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think I'll do that from now on. Um, I think I'll probably try an X and Y Nuzlocke again, and I'll just keep repeating that one um, and keep my Sun Shield, Sword and Shield, um, Sun Shield, Sword Shield file as it is. But mm-hmm. Sword and Shield would be really weird to Nuzlocke because um, you can run away from Pokemon because you can see them sometimes. And yeah. then there's those really strong ones. If you happen to run into them early on, your whole run's going to be over. So it's uh, it's interesting. Nuzlocke's, there you go. They're good. I like them. Definitely not for me, but uh, I do like hearing your hearing how much fun you're having. What? I kept a, a doc that documented my entire journey, like each route, what happened on each route, if anyone died, who was caught on that route, and stuff like that. So, when are you gonna make a fanfic of it? A what? A fanfic of it? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Do <laughs> I mean, like, like I, I kind of like wrote the entire like journey out like this because like it would have been a funny short story, is what I was thinking. But I mean, it feels like it needs to have a good ending, so it can only really be written once I succeed. Otherwise, the ending is going to be like, and then I was defeated, and then that was the end. Because like, what happens to the trainer? Once his Nuzlocke run ends, like he doesn't die. All his Pokemon are, are theoretically dead, but he just yeah. what? He just like I just hang up my Pokemon trainer coat and I just go be a random NPC and in somewhere's in the Kalos region. Like I don't know. I have a pro. Okay, for Nuzlocke challenges, uh, when a trainer beats you, your Pokemon aren't dead, right? Yeah. Well, then I have a problem with that. <laughs> with the Nuzlocke, the whole idea behind the Nuzlocke. Pokemon trainers aren't going to kill other Pokemon. I get if a wild one kills your Pokemon, then then that makes sense. But a trainer's not, you're not going to, like, no one's going to let the trainer 
murder their Pokemon in a fucking friendly battle. No, no, no. You're not wrong. And, like, I don't know if they truly, you know, obviously they don't actually die because everything just faints in Pokemon. And I don't know if that's even the mindset that they die because you just release them. I, I never released them. I would always bank them and just never use them again. Um, because I didn't have the heart to release them. And and know what the craziest thing about my Nuzlocke run was? I ran into a Shiny, which is the first time I have ever run into a Shiny in any Pokemon game. Well, I think I may have won into one in gold when I was a child. I didn't realize it. But I ran into a, a Shiny Whimsor, and I was just, like, fucking shocked. So I have a Shiny Whimsor, and I don't want to just delete my file with this Shiny, but... Throw it on the bank and bring it on yeah, the Yeah, true, true. We can definitely uh, knock out your... Or your guys die in in trainer battles. It's it's a rule that makes no sense in my world, in which I, I picture this as a, the the character existing. In the... so now now interpreting it as your Nuzlocke because you put them in your bank is like you guys are failures and you couldn't you weren't up to snuff. So now I'm not even going to use you anymore. So it's still sad. Yeah, Nuzlocke. it's definitely sad. Yeah, um, I don't like it. I, 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 so like I made my own 12 rules. Like I definitely like copied a lot of other people's rules, but some things I thought were too hardcore that I, I got rid of. Um, so I can I kind of read my 12 rules of the, the left Jackie Nuzlocke challenge? Okay. So number one, any Pokemon that's faints is considered dead and must be released or put in the Pokemon storage system permanently. That's rule number one. Number two, the player may only catch the first Pokemon encountered in each area and none else in that area. If the first Pokemon you encounter, you have already first encountered, it's a duplicate, it won't be considered your first, and you can try three more times until you can get a Pokemon for that area. Does that make sense? Yeah. cannot trade Pokemon, with the exception to evolve, but you have to get your original Pokemon back. No boosted experience is allowed. Pokemon acquired via story progression is valid for your Pokemon in that area, which is super important for X and Y because you get the first gen starter in a city. So that one's totally mm. legit. Um, nice. Number six, no legendary Pokemon. Number seven, you can't use repels, but you can flee from battle, which a lot of people think is stupid. But I think fleeing from battle has an inherent danger in the game because you could try to run and then get killed. So it's it's fine. Um, Pokemon that dies with an item has that item forfeit. All caught Pokemon must be given a nickname. Starter Pokemon is based off the trainer's ID number. No experience share. And then losing a trainer battle is game over no matter what, even if you have Pokemon in your bank that you can use. Oh. Rough. And I, my first Nuzlocke run ended pretty early because I got beat by a, a Sky Trainer or a Flying Trainer where you only have flying Pokemon, and I only had a Pidgeotto, and he got defeated, and then I had no other Pokemon to use, so I whited out, and that is a game over according to my own rules. Damn. Yeah, that was a rough one. But you don't need to fight Sky Flying Trainers. They ask you if you want to fight, and you can decline. So from then on out, I just never fought a Flying Trainer. But yeah, it's fun. Uh, we did an episode on self-imposed game challenges once in the past, and Nuzlocke, I think, was mentioned, and I did one. And it's a good time. I really liked it. Nuzlocke challenge. Oh, there you go. There you go. We should move on to the topic. Yes. And the topic this time is a classic. Uh, an SNES class that's bound to excite everyone all over the earth. <laughs> right? 
Who's Earthbound? Why did we pick Earthbound, AG? Why? Mm. Yeah, what? I was pending, nope. right? Like, it's a big game, a lot of followers, mm. and I haven't played it. You haven't played it either, I don't think. And it's interesting. It is interesting. I'm glad we're playing it, and I'm glad you chose the show, because it felt me. It felt like, all right, it's finally time that I sit here and, and try to beat this game again. And so I did beat the game for the show in time. So it's nice. I finally beat another classic. And it, feels good. it feels good to beat it. It's like when I beat Super Metroid. It felt good. It's like, all right, now I get it. And then I've experienced it. I feel like a, like more of a complete person. Before we talk about the game, I wanted to talk a little bit about the series itself. The series would be the Mother series because the original name in Japan for this game is Mother. And turns out that Earthbound is really the American or North American port of Mother 2. So this is actually the sequel and it's a direct sequel and it follows the story of the first one. But there was enough, and we'll talk about the translation efforts for this game, but there was enough changes in the, in the translation so that, you know, to not make it seem like it's a sequel. But this game was released originally in 1989 in July as Mother for the Famicom. And the key people here are Shigesato Itoi, which I think was like a copywriter or an essayist, uh, interviewer, musician. So it's this dude that is very big into like culture and knows a lot of stuff. He doesn't come from games, but I think that Hiroshi Yamauchi, the uh, president of Nintendo, was a big fan of his writing. So he he wanted to uh, promote like new talent in, in video game making. So he brought this guy, he had this idea for this uh, weird game. And so Mother exists. The other key uh, figure in here is Satoru Iwata, which we know as, as the late president of Nintendo. A really cool yeah. dude. Uh, but also a genius programmer. He was so good and they were having so many uh, problems because the sequel, Mother 2, was in development for five years. So we're talking about 1989 for Mother and then 1994 for Mother 2. And it was a really long development process and it was almost canceled a few times. But Satori Wata, you know, he helped the team and he was, you know, he was able to make it work somehow. And this series was already well established in Japan. And so... They decided to translate it. So we got Earthbound. And one of the reasons it's called Earthbound is because they didn't want to call it something 2, right? Mother 2 or Earthbound 2, right? So they just called it Earthbound and restarted the whole thing. And there's a few interesting things about Earthbound as a product in North America because it came with a guide inside of the box. I'm not really sure if there exists like a version that doesn't have the guide, which is full magazine I don't size. think there is another version. I think it's just that one. For a bunch of reasons, the game wasn't successful, didn't sell really well. But one thing that a lot of people mention is the marketing for the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, gross culture. There's a marketing campaign, which is referred to as This Game Stinks. Um, and I think it also had, you know, that kind of scratch and sniff. And you can, yeah. this is cited as one of the reasons why the game didn't do too well in North America. But it has since become a cult game. 
I mean, that's not really a good representation of the game. Like, it definitely makes it seem like it's it's not a good game. But I guess that's part of the humor they tried to instill on that ad. But I want to read the ad from the magazine. <laughs> okay. It says, as if life didn't stink enough already, now you've got to be prepared for Earthbound, the first role-playing game with B.O., Imagine the horror in the math aftermath of a terrible meteor strike, or was it an evil alien invasion? Burping, belching, gaseous monsters roam the streets of your hometown. Your only chance to survive and avoid their nasty smells is to learn the powers that can counteract their deadly forces. Luckily, every day that you manage to stay alive, your powers improve. As you venture on into neighboring towns, you make some then it gets cut off. Yep. I mean, it makes it, makes it seem like the a big game mechanic is about fighting stench. Yeah, it it's kind of misleading to say the least, and also kind of gross. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll get into Earthbound. But just to to complete the series timeline here, and this was really famous too. The next in the series, Mother Three, uh, was supposed to come out for the Nintendo disc drive in Japan. I think it was inspired on like um, what they did with Super Mario 64 and they wanted to do this grand 3D adventure game and it was in development for, for many years until it got cancelled. But it was shown at E3 1998 and there's uh, a lot of footage out there in, in YouTube you can you can check. It's really interesting because it seems like they put a lot of effort into it. But anyway, it went to development hell, it was cancelled. And it wasn't until June 2003 that we heard about the series again. And there was a compilation of Mother 1 plus 2 in Japan for the Game Boy Advance in 2003. And then shortly after, in 2006, we finally got a version of Mother 3. Not the original version of the Nintendo 64, which was a 3D adventure, but a 2D, you know, top-down, very reminiscent to the previous games. Now, Mother 3 was never officially released in North America, but this is where... The cult status of Earthbound gets really interesting because it was fan-translated by a group of fans, I think, led by Clyde Mandolin. It was released in 2008 as a you know free ROM. They released it with a guide that looks really, really legit because it was done really professionally. Oh, that's cool. And that would be like the last you know game in the official series. But finally, <laughs> Mother, the original game, got uh, officially released in June 2015 as Earthbound beginning for the Wii U as a digital-only release. Sucks, man. I would, it'd be nice if it was on like the 3DS or a Switch as well, you know? Throw that into the Nintendo online thing. Come on. Come on, Nintendo. And as I was saying before, Shigesato Ito is really the uh, the key figure here. He's the, uh, the one who writes the scripts, the story. He's considered, you know, the one that has full control of the series. And he has said that the, the series has finished. Um, but here in North America, the fandom is so so strong. It even has its own Wikipedia page, the fandom itself. They started a project called Oddity, which is meant to be like an unofficial sequel for Mother 3. And that's still in development. I checked the trailer on YouTube and it looks fantastic. It, re- it looks really, really good. <laughs> so I just wanted to mention that there's fan efforts to continue the series. There's also a documentary uh, that was crowdfunded and it's currently in process. And that is an overview of the series. 
That's crazy. I didn't know about that. That fan sequel is really interesting, and it's just like it's crazy how you kind of say like cult status of this game because that's really what this game is. Especially how like only one really came to North America, and it was the second one where you think it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to people. And and as as, as you said at the time, it didn't really do financially well, but it still somehow has ingrained itself as like the one of the classics for the SNES. Super neat. Um, I also want to mention that I remember in an old Nintendo Power magazine screenshots for Earthbound 64, which Mother 3, um, which I was super excited for as a kid. And then I kept waiting and waiting and waiting for this elusive Earthbound 64. And then eventually I just kind of ended up forgetting about it. Um, but yeah, it never, it never seen the, the light of day. And I was just looking at some of the screenshots. It looks kind of fun. So that was a good history of the game. So let's talk about the game. Um, I mentioned earlier that I had played it before a little bit, but even the reasons for playing that would have been because of how much of a like cult following. Has. Another thing that that always made me interested in the game was the fact that it was so expensive. Like it's ridiculously like especially back when retro collecting was really kind of picking up steam again, which like what seven, eight years ago, it feels like. Just the cart alone would be over $300 or, you know, insane, insane prices. I I'm, I think it still is worth quite a bit. I got mine, actually, thankfully, from from P1, which was really cool of him. So that's the only reason why I, I have a copy of the game. Um, but I remember it had a lot of, like, clout just because of how, how expensive it was and how rare it was. Uh, and then also all the contemporary uh, influ- influences on other game designers and stuff you can usually tell when there's an earthbound influence because of how distinct the original game is so really happy to to have played this now how about you left full disclosure is that i didn't play this game for this episode i just kind of hopped on at the last moment here uh, i have played it as a kid um to its end so i i have beaten it but It's hard for me to say that I remember every little detail about the game. I have played up to a certain point a number of times, um, so I'm kind of a little hazy on its actual play, you know, all the contents of the game, but... How about you, Sage? So I didn't know much about Earthbound growing up. Like, I remember seeing that very iconic box. Yeah. It's very large. I think in in Toys R Us, they would put it on the, the glass cabinets. You know, in in the in the 90s, they they had like glass cabinets where they would like showcase the consoles and some products, some special edition games and stuff like that. I remember seeing that game there when I was growing up, and uh, I always knew this game existed, but never really had the opportunity to play it. But I I guess it was with Smash Brothers that all of a sudden I noticed that there was this character from that game. And ever since I saw that, I was like, well, if this character is important enough to be part of this superstar lineup, I always considered it like a hole in my video game education, so to speak. I can that. You know, being a, a somewhat of a collector myself, I, I do know that this game is very notable in the collecting world because it is so expensive, right? Yeah. It's interesting that a game that is so expensive and so unavailable to a lot of people 
um, has such a strong fandom, but it does. I don't know when it was like the first uh, digital release of this game, but I first got it with my Super Nintendo Mini. So I do own a copy somehow. Um, <laughs> it's it, you, you could even say it's, it's almost like a physical copy because <laughs> it lives in a thing, in a physical thing that I have. Close enough. That, and, and that is how I played it. And, and I always wanted to play it precisely because of that, because I think it's it's a really well-established series. I did know a lot about it because the story is so compelling. Yeah, as I was going through the timeline, I, this is something that I knew uh, just reading Wikipedia over the years and uh, trying to to learn, hey, what, what is this character? What, what's this new character in Smash? Lucas, right? And he's like the the protagonist on an unreleased game, <laughs> right in North America. Like my experience with the with the series itself was uh, through other video game series, through collecting, and just knowing about it. What sets Earthbound apart from other JRPGs, especially contemporary? And it's besides tone and setting and art style, which are all different from. Even the gameplay is largely different from other jrpgs and and some things are are much better and, and ahead of their time and some things are really obnoxious um so so navigating the world even that can be a little bit obnoxious in some ways so there's no map not that every jrpg has one don't get me wrong from that time frame but that's there's not even really a world map either um the except there's town maps so that's so half the game has maps it would be cool if the rest of it did but um so navigating the world you instead of just like having a single button interaction with the environment and stuff like walking up to a person and just hitting a to talk to them like a context-based um trigger to whatever button you're using you have to open your menu and then you would choose talk to or you would choose check so that's already two annoying features that i would prefer that that were were not as good as other ones. Usually, you could just walk up to a character and press like the A button, and you'll talk. Or you could you could walk up to a treasure chest and hit A, and you'd open like that kind of. Instead, you have to open up a menu. So that's that's kind of annoying. The second thing is the item system is just brutal in this game. You uh, each character can hold. I don't actually know how many off the top of my head. I want to say twelve, but they can hold a certain amount of items, and all characters can hold the same amount of items. And the items that you're you're carrying, including your equipped items, they also go towards your total allotment. Also including uh, key items also go to your total allotment, and some of those key items you can't even store. And then also there's, for the character Jeff, he'll make certain things that when they become dated, you can't just drop them or throw them away. You have to store them. And storage in this game is kind of annoying because you then have to go to a telephone, call your sister who works at some storage place, who will then send a person out to you. He'll only you can only choose either between withdraw or deposit one at a time. So when you choose uh, withdraw, you you'll you'll be able to choose up to three items to bring back. And if you choose deposit, you have to wait for him to show up. He shows up, and then you can only give him three items to bring with you. And if you want to do it again, you have to go back and call, wait for him to show up. Same with getting items. So it, it's kind of a it's really cumbersome. And also then you find out that you can only store up to three pages of items with them anyways. So you run out of space there too. Kind of a nightmare when it comes to item management. Yeah, and the game clunky. gives you a bunch of useless items that don't actually do anything, like the protractor and the ruler. They don't do anything. But you come with them and you're thinking, well, there must be a reason that Jeff is holding these. I, I must need them for something. But you really don't. 
<laughs> so so it has so those are like negatives right but then it does things brilliantly like first of all all the enemies are on screen that's the way every jrpg should be every rpg should be they're run from you and they're a low level that's convenient when you're going through low low areas and if you're high enough level you just beat them anyways which is great because you farm xp quicker and also it's just not it's less annoying and it doesn't feel like a waste of time because you're still getting your full experience that you would for that so so those are like crazy nice and there's there's also the ambush mechanic with the the guys on the map. So if you can approach them from behind, you'll get the first attack. Or if you're running away and they get you from behind, they get the first attack. Which is something like I don't know they always had like you know first strike type things that would more or less randomly happen in in most you know RPGs of that era. But like to have a little yeah. more control over it and to try to coordinate and strategize with it was was a really good mechanic. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's uh the, the other thing is that sometimes. So I, this is a complaint, but actually at the same time, it kind of isn't too. Because some things are super archaic. Like a really famous one is when you, when you have to go to Saturn Village and you have to wait for three minutes without moving in front of a waterfall. And I would complain that that's so hard to, to know. The game gives you hints and stuff, but like the game comes with a guide. So I guess I can't really, <laughs> I can't, I can't be too angry about it because it, the, the, you have a guidebook. So I, I guess... Uh, yeah, that, so there's little things like that. I, I definitely used a guide here and there while, while playing this, mostly to not waste time. Like I, I didn't want to get too lost or anything because I wanted to, I wanted to beat it in time. But, uh, the other great thing that this does, that that I think is almost revolutionary that I love is the uh, the rolling HP counter. So when you take damage, it starts rolling through your HP as it's getting lower. And if you heal, bef- so if you take mortal damage, you're not instantly dead. You might still be able to act before you die, or more importantly, choose your abilities quick enough and you can save someone before they die. So like, for example, let's say Paula takes 300 damage and if I, if I get to my turn fast enough and she's only at like 150 and I just blaze through picking my options, I can get a, a heal on her and then she won't die. So it brings in a bunch of different strategy that's really neat in this game that I, I've actually not off the top of my head, I can't think of any other game that's, especially RPG, that has that kind of mechanic. There might be other ones, I, don't get me wrong, but but it's not very common, and I just, I still think that's one of the coolest, most unique features. Definitely unique for its time. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think about the the rolling HP? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I really liked it. Um, just for all the reasons you stayed, it, it gives you an extra option. It kind of allows you to. It just it just adds another layer to your strategy of playing the game because a lot of RPGs they definitely feel monotonous, just like fight, 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 psychic, fight, 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 fight. Like it's 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 you know you're just really just going through menus, but to kind of like. I don't know, kind of take you out of that by being like, I need to act fast right now and I need this immediately. Like, and like, you don't need it this immediately in the terms of, I need to do this this turn. I need to do this within the next, you know, 10 to 20 seconds. Um, So it it adds a different element that a lot of traditionals wouldn't have for its, its time. A lot of, a lot of, it adds to like some, some, uh, some, to make things more frantic. Like you, you're like, suddenly you have to, you, you actually have to use like reaction speed. Like you have yeah. to be quick, you have to choose fast, you can't fuck up, and you can save a character. And you know you can re- revive characters in this game, but keep in mind that you don't get your your heal spell can't revive characters until late in the game. And then the other the uh, the the for the actual items that revive you, you have to a have the inventory space to actually carry it. And then early on in the game, they're they're quite expensive, so you need to be like you don't want a character to faint 
because also your PP, which is your uh, probably PSI points. Uh, yeah, your MP basically, and uh, that's on a finite amount too. And it's not PP items are to recovery items are kind of expensive too, and you don't really get. I get you just don't have a lot of room. So when you're when you're when you're filling your inventory out, you a bunch of twenty PP items aren't worth a lot in the grand scheme of things. If you can keep your characters alive, so that you don't need to waste it. So uh, yeah, item item management. As much as I hate a lot of it and how cumbersome it is, it it does add a lot to the the strategy of of the game. I mean, I, I I have no complaints for limited inventory in games. I I I like that kind of stuff because it makes you think more of what's important, what's not important. I don't like it when you can't bank things. Like if you have something that's useless and you can't put that in the bank, that's always annoying. But I'm I'm all for the limited inventory personally. So, well, look at you. I would change it a, a bit of a tweak to have a, I, equipment item be its own thing and key items be its own thing. That that Low seems reason. reasonable. Yeah. Uh, also, there is four characters in the game. Uh, there's Ness, the main character. There's uh, Paula, and then there is Jeff and Pooh. People don't seem to like Pooh very much. I mean, he comes kind of late in the game. I think he has different mechanics too. Annoying yeah. mechanics. Uh, so, like, okay, for example, like I think his name being Pooh also maybe part of that. <laughs> uh, things like um, he he can't take the same food as other other characters. He doesn't. Uh, his equipment. You if you equip him with stuff, it lowers his stats until you find four. He has four items in the game, four inventory items in the game, or equipment items that you can get that are hidden, one of them being a 1 in 128 drop. And so you, so he's kind of weaker unless you find all that gear. Uh, but his magic is pretty useful, and he's really fast, so I actually didn't think he was terrible. And I was lucky enough to get all of his items in my playthrough, so I didn't hate Pooh. But Ness is kind of like your all-rounder, physical attacker, uh, and also, of course, he has unique PSI abilities. I use them for healing and, and attacking mostly. Uh, Paula has a bunch of MP, uh, PP and can use different all the different elemental spells and, and also a, a few useful shield spells. Jeff is unique because he has no PP. He just builds machines or fixes broken machines. And he has some really useful items as well, like the heavy bazooka, the the neutralizer, HP sucker. Like he has some good stuff. And then Pooh is kind of a, a well-rounded. You know, he can heal, he has some elemental attacks, he has decent PP, and he can act fast and do decent damage. What, uh, side question, what'd you guys pick for your favorite thing at the start of the game? Pizza. Because his psi power is based on what you pick, right? Is it really? Yeah, yeah. How the hell does that work? Because, like, at the very beginning, whenever they're doing you, like, they're asking you, like, what's your favorite thing? Yeah, and then yeah. Ness's psi power is then what you picked. You go right in pizza, and he goes psi pizza, and he does his attack. Oh, oh, that's my yeah. arts. I thought, what? Well, I didn't know why. Uh, I think people calling it psi rock, and I'm like, the fuck is that? I didn't even know that was. <laughs> but I can't. So I just assumed, oh, psi arts. It didn't even occur to me because it sounds like an actual ability. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's based true. on what you pick. So I was wondering what you guys picked. Yeah, so well, Robert with art. Would you go with Seiji? Rockin'. Rockin' nice. Which which I think is the, the standard one. It might be like the, the default one? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you can name that whatever, and that's the name of Ness's side attack. 
or that oh, I didn't know the first one he gets anyways. I could have made a really cool sounding attack. I had no idea what it, what it actually. <laughs> I knew like the, the food item comes into play later because your mom makes yep. it for you at certain points of the game. Uh, but I didn't know that that was it. That's that's so funny. That's so that's why some guy had that piece. I'm like, I don't know what move <laughs> I'll just use two hearts, I guess, and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> like whole premise and world is really it's just quirky and weird and like that goes right down to the enemies you fight down to the things in combat like you'll just enemies will enemies will just waste turns sometimes being like uh urges forward or has a big grin or has a stupid yeah. smile on their face or or they belch or they fall over and it's it's fun it's fun to read these different actions that they're taking where it really just comes into a miss or a hit really but because of the way they're, they're displayed, it, it, it can make you laugh sometimes. And, and so the, the game has a lot of humor and a lot of weird nonsense terms and, and sentences that make no sense and a lot of fourth wall breaking. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a really strange experience to play, play the game. But it's, it's fun. Like it, it keeps you chuckling. And I really wonder how different the jokes are in the Japanese uh, version versus ours. And, and uh, I wonder if the same spirit is caught... Yeah, there's some really good website called Legends of Localization. They actually released a book with all of the articles that they accumulated over the years. And they have screenshots comparing the uh, the Japanese version and the NA version for every single screen in the game. Like they don't comment on all of them. They, they, they have like a like a database of all the screenshots and you can just go in and, and see them. But also they have a lot of articles when where they go and explain a lot of the things. This game was translated by, by Marcus Lindblom, and he apparently he's a really um, interesting figure in the fandom also because of how good of a job he's perceived to, to have done with with the game. Like one thing that you can notice here in the intro screen is that uh, if you play Earthbound, the first screen, it says the war against Gigas or how, how do you guys call it? I said Gigas. Gigas. What do you I, say? I said Gigas as a kid, but I think it's because I was a stupid kid, and I think Gigas is probably more pr- pr- correct. I blame uh, Dwayne and Brando because one of their Earthbound songs had Gigas, and that's just what I got used to. <laughs> oh, okay. So if you if you look at the at the Japanese version, it says, uh, well, the name the name of the character it's a little bit different. It says Gig. Oh. Gig. <laughs> Gig. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. G Y I Y G. Yeah, so back. In, in in the katakana they say gig, so I guess it's more like like gig uh strikes back, it says gig strikes back. Because it's a it's a sequel, right? So he's he's coming back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in the in the NA version, you know, they, they say the war against Gigas. And that's that's a, a little bit of a difference, but um there, there's other examples there, like the they try to avoid any uh, religious connotations. Uh, they remove all crosses from the game, even from the hospital. They remove the red cross. Um, the shop in in Earthbound in in Mother is called Drug. It, well, it, it's a drugstore, right? So it's, <laughs> drug it's, store, yeah. So it says so it says drug on the um, on the signage. 
the the happy happy uh, cult thing. Um, there's a really small differences. Like they put a little a bit of a, yeah, they put a pom pom at the end of the uh, how do you, the, of the hood, where in the yeah. Japanese version that pom pom is not there, so it resembles more like uh, some other yeah <laughs> some other thing uh and also one really interesting thing remember the, the, those pencils that are blocking uh, yeah they're they're octopus on on mother which is also weird so yeah make... yeah it doesn't make any more sense it doesn't make any less sense though yeah so for sure the the game itself um is still quirky and and funny it like the tone is supposed to be really you know lighthearted and but one one thing that is interesting is that this game is supposed to be from a Japanese perspective, like something that looks really American, right? With a lot of yeah, yeah, um, yeah. thematically American. But when when this guy he, he comments that you know, one of the challenges of of translating the game is that you're supposed to to translate a game that it, that happens in America and makes a lot of American uh, references, but it's really not at all. It's it's an Americanized version of Japanese pop culture references, right? Or or how they see America stuff or American culture. So cheeseburger, yo-yos, baseball bats. Yeah. So a lot of cliches, <laughs> a lot of things that that really don't trans. If if they would just translated the game, it wouldn't be as funny as it is. So he took a lot of liberties on on how to make a lot of this thing uh, land, and he did a really good job. It's a really funny game. Like the story, there's a story there, but I feel like it doesn't matter all that much. You, you, you kind of get a bunch of mini stories. Like each area kind of has its own thing going on. And maybe slowly towards the game, as the game gets later on, it does start to get more, like the plot starts to come in a bit more. But I feel like the first half of the game is, is more like small, local issues. Even though you kind of have the threat of, of, of gigs in the background uh, you're moving through, but you're just kind of, I don't know. Go along with it for a while, and then then it then it starts getting. The game ends weird, by the way. Like it's it's, it's some really weird shit at the end of the game. I won't spoil it for obvious reasons, but I, yeah. As a kid, I found the final boss to be a little not like 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 the challenge of it was fine, but like I was not happy with exactly how that went down. I don't want to spoil it for Seiji. No, I actually want you guys to spoil it because okay, so before we go into that, like. I, I felt really weird about this game. Like, there's stuff that I really, really love and admire about this game. The artwork, the story, the quirkiness, the the, the, the humor. Love all that stuff. But gameplay-wise, it's super arcane and archaic. It's, it's very, very weird. Like, uh, for everything that they did on the gameplay side that I loved... There was a bunch of things that I really didn't. Um, <laughs> the thing that you, that you that you were saying about how to to talk to a character, you have to like press A, bring the menu, and then talk to and. But also like, you can. There's a shortcut with the L button, right? So you really? can just. I didn't know. Not yeah. that. So, all my interactions, all right. I was using the L button, right? Oh, fuck. Okay. So you just <laughs> go and to check something out, it would just. Right. Press L, press L, press L. So you can interact with the L button, and then you can press select for some other thing. I think to for B, I think to cancel. So you you can play the game with just one hand, which it's something really really interesting. And I was actually doing it like I would just hold the controller with my left hand, and I was playing with the left hand. Very interesting um, 
concept. For context, I played mine uh, on my 3DS, new 3DS XL. Uh, so I was able to play the Earthbound game on my 3DS. So kind of a big deal. And um, yeah, so that actually, to be honest with you guys, it sucked playing it on 3DS. And I don't recommend it because the new 3DS XL, at least for their emulator, sound is awful. I could barely hear it. I had to put headphones on sometimes just to, to hear the music and stuff in the game. If I, I, I wanted it on Switch so badly. That's the way I wanted to play it. And uh, unfortunately, they don't have it on. Why would they, right? Because Nintendo. And um, yeah, so even though I have, I also have, of course, the SNES Classic and the, the actual game, but I, I feel like I wanted to play it on handheld. Mistake. I made a little bit of a mistake there. And that inventory thing that you mentioned, that's pr- kind of like my biggest gripe with the game. Because not only, it's not that it's limited as, as Lev said, it's more like how you take things out of it to store them. Um, I, I do get that it's it's funny and it's endearing that you have the Escargot Express and you call the guy. Like it makes sense narratively. Yeah, but it's so inconvenient. It's just yeah, it just, get, it gets really old really quick when you have to do yeah. it so often. I have a similar gripe with the teleport function because oh. like it makes sense that you will have to like have some sort of a of a platform to to oh. run. Oh yeah, you and, you need like a speedway. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, but once you get poo, his teleport's better. Oh really? Oh, yeah, okay. it's a it's a, it's a circle. And a really small, tight circle, so you can you can teleport from most areas. I just use that almost exclusively afterwards. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but that's late. Uh, I had a few other gripes too that that annoy me. The uh, as you uh, as you saw my notes that you organized. Fuck off, photo man. I hate the photo guy. Uh, I get why he's there. I understand how it comes into play later. But holy shit, it's annoying. I'm walking along, everything stops. And then I hear the dumb music, and then he spins down like, dude, these pictures suck. There's nothing unique about them. They're just <laughs> basically go away. But he comes so often, it's like, leave me alone. And there's another situation later on in the game when you're in. So it's kind of a, so it's a minor, minor spoiler. You, you go underground into like a dinosaur world. And it's really, what they really do it, that makes it neat is that they actually scale your character down. So they're just like a pixel or two high. And so the, the world feels really big. The dinosaurs feel really huge because your characters are so tiny. And uh, that's all fine. You move a bit slower, but it's mostly because it's relative. But what's annoying is these geysers will erupt. And these geysers are what you use. They're like healing points, which is, again, fine. But it takes about like 10, 20 seconds before, they, they guy, before the geyser goes. So you have to be there waiting for it to come. And if you're not waiting for it and you're just walking by and you're on screen and you can see the geyser on screen, it, everything stops while, it, while it's spraying. So things shake. You can't keep walking. You have to wait for the shaking to stop and the geyser to come out before you can keep walking again. Really obnoxious. And, um, oh yeah, and my, my stupid father, your deadbeat dad who you never see, uh, <laughs> calling me constantly. Yes. Hey, you still want to keep doing your journey? Yeah, I do. I do want to keep doing it. If I didn't want to, I, w- I would stop. 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 You're not my dad. Yeah, and also, my- well, what happens if you say, like, yes, yeah, I, want, I want to take a break? Does it bring you to the yeah, it, yeah, basically. Oh, it, it, it brings you to a screen where it's just like you can't continue anymore. You just have to turn the game off, I believe, or reset yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, but that's actually the game. It's annoying. So, like, that, it's kind of funny how, like, that was more common back then because Breath of Fire, as I mentioned, I was playing. Both of those have that. Anytime you save the mm. game, it asks you, hey, 
do you want to take a break or do you want to continue playing? It's not, it's not as cumbersome as the father and earthbound without mm-hmm. a doubt, but like that was a common, more common thing then than it is now where they're just like, maybe you should take a break. Cause you've been playing this for so long. Um, they don't seem to I, ask you that anymore. Yeah. I don't mind so much if they ask you while you're playing, if you still want to keep playing, although I would rather it didn't, but yeah, the thing about this one is just that you're in the middle of doing shit and then yeah. you have to still use your fucking call. Yeah. Like dude, go away. I don't like you. Yes, yeah, so, so, uh, in the fourth generation, I remember a bunch of games having this really contrived way of of expressing that idea of save and continue or save and quit, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I just want to save. Like, I don't. Like, why are you asking me the other thing? Like, just save so that I can, you know, continue Something or or done. quit. But I want to do it. I want you want to turn off the switch, right? Like why why have that that option of save and quit of of bringing you back to the title screen? Like it doesn't really do anything, right? It's just inconveniences the player. Yeah, another another minor inconvenience, but it doesn't happen enough to be too obnoxious, and it's kind of cute a little bit. Is that Nest can randomly get homesick, so you actually have to call your mom and talk to her to cure your homesickness. And having homesickness means you might cry in the middle of battle and stuff. I but that was. In fact, it didn't happen that much. I think I only had to call her like two or three times during my entire playthrough. So it was fine. But I remember that was kind of funny. I was in the middle of a boss fight and Ness is like, Ness thinks about his mom and starts crying. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I'm in the middle of a boss fight. I would actually would like to be spoiled because I don't think I'm going back to this game. So... Like, want to go to the story? Do do a, a story recap? I'll try, but my memory is obviously never really good. Yeah, um, I haven't played in a long time, so I got to rely on Rob. All right, here I go. So, obviously spoilers, but I'll say spoilers in quotations because I'm going to get a bunch of shit wrong or I'm going to miss stuff. So, Meteor hits your hometown. You go up there. You find out that Ness is actually, like, some sort of, uh, what's the, the word? Uh, fate, chosen hero. Yeah, yeah. So then you you fight B, your B who has a tragic death. Buzz, your buzz. Friend. buzz yeah. Anyways, you basically find out, Ness finds out that, hey, Gygus, or Giggs, is coming back, and you're the chosen one to defeat him, and you need to find your three friends that you don't know are your friends. I think they even say something like that. And, uh, and like, friends you haven't met yet or whatever. You find those guys, they'll help you on your journey, and, and you have to defeat Gygus and afraid of you, that kind of thing. So then because of the meteor and because Gygus is coming back, uh, ordinary citizens and animals are going crazy, and that's kind of the explanation for the enemies in the game. Then you have like people who are working for him. So the first person you meet is Paula. I think you, yeah, you help rescue her from the uh, the happy what what is the name? The happy something cultists. Yeah, happy happy, happy something. Yeah, happy happy cultists. They're basically they want to turn everything blue, so they're painting everything blue. And and uh, maybe, I forget why they capture Paula. Probably to use her powers, right? Something like that. They wanted her to be the the priestess, but in the Japanese version, she wanted she was gonna be like the goddess. Oh, okay. Of the cult, well, you know, something like that. Yeah. So then, after you save her, you go to you go to Threed. Uh, that's a cute name of a lot of the the first four towns. It's uh, Onet or like one, uh, Tucson, Threed, and Foreside. So yeah. Oh my god! I go never to... picked up on that. Mind blown. <laughs> So when you go to Threed, you find out the place is being attacked by zombies at night. And um, you get captured. 
at some point and thrown into a basement and then Paula uses her psychic abilities to contact Jeff in, in a place called Winters. Jeff is just some sort of genius kid, lives in an orphanage, and he's, he hears a dream. He's like, hey, I got to go rescue my friend I don't know yet. And there's some really funny stuff to this. So his, his, uh, his buddy helps him get out, his, his best friend. I, I forget his name, but he comes back at least once later in the game. And then you, and you, you and a monkey team up. And then you ride Loch Ness Monster or Tessie in this game. You ride Tessie down to meet your father, who I guess lived a, 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 a little while away, and you hadn't seen him in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in the orphanage, which is already fucked up. So he's a, he's a scientist, Dr. Ann Donuts. And uh, he's like, oh, Jeff, my son, I haven't seen you in 10 years. Jeff's like 10. So I guess he hasn't seen him in <laughs> And he recognizes him, which is great. And then Jeff meets a <laughs> He's like, hey, Dad, I'm going to help my friends. And he's like, all right, cool. Well, I got this fly machine. You can use this to go help your friends. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a touching reunion. So <laughs> maybe they think all Americans don't have fathers. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, so you get into the Skyrunner, which, which is the little airship he's on. It crashes into the right where Ness and Paula are. And then you have Jeff. So, or in Sadie's version, left. And yeah. So you take so you and Jeff and uh, Paula after saving the town of three from the Zambambos, you go on to f- the desert, and the desert does some bunch of shenanigans, but nothing. I can't remember anything too too major. Basically, the roads block. You have to go on the desert. You find yourself in Forside. Things get really weird here. You find that Pokey is like Pokey's your. I shouldn't mention that at the beginning of the game. You have a neighbor. Pokey and his brother. Porky, isn't it? Pokey, Pokey. Isn't uh, Pokey, it Pokey? Pokey and Picky, I think. Is it? Okay. Pokey's the, the more obnoxious one. The I guess the fat stereotype. Oh, uh, I think I just called him Porky because he was a porker. He does look like a porker, or what you he, would describe as a porker. He's Porky and Mother, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. But Maybe. Pokey in, in Earthbound. Oh, cool, cool. So Pokey Porky, um, you, you, he, he's like yeah. He's your rival. Yeah, he is out of nowhere, but him and, and his all dad, of a sudden. Like, yeah, they own part of the town or they have money or something, and they start working with this weird statue. And I'm pretty sure the statue, like it's called the Mounty statue or something, has something to do with guns. Yeah, and basically you're in this drug you get in this drug trip hallucination yeah. where That's you're in like re- moonside. So you're in like a, a reverse inverse uh, uh Worksite. It's super. I got really confused in this area because you have to talk to people who will teleport you, and you have to find the right people to teleport you. But anyways, you go on and fight the statue. When you break it, you wake up and you're back in normal ass world. Pokey, you find Pokey, and then and then like there's you're supposed to get on a helicopter. The helicopter's supposed to take you to uh, I think this is when you want to go to Summers, and he steals it from you last <laughs> last second. And you're like, well, shit. Now what do we do? So then you have to go back and talk to I think you go to Winters at this point to talk to Ann and Donuts again. Oh, you, you go back who, to to three to find three. out your okay. your um the flying thing. Oh right, you go back to see if it can be fixed or whatever, right? Yeah, and then, and Jeff, then Jeff fixes it. Okay, okay, okay. Jeff fixes it, and then you take the machine to Summer where it crashes. No, you take it back to to Winters to your father. Yeah. Why do you bring it back to him if he fixes it? I can't remember. Because he has to f- add some more capabilities, and then while you're you, while you're there, you go in and get another melody. Right, 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 right. And then you and come then you back, back, and then you go to summers. Yeah. And then so, once you're in summers, you have to get like a 
an invitation. You basically have, you need a boat to go south. And you have to, so basically this guy's wife, the only guy who was a boat down, his wife used to make like this, this delicious food, but she got stuck in this club where she's like gambling or something all the time. And you have to go and convince her that you want to buy her magical cakes. Yeah. Once you buy her cakes. When you eat the cake, you can go on a drug trip because you're then playing as Pooh uh, and you have to be, Pooh's like, Pooh's master's like, all right, you have to pass these tests so you can go help these guys. And Pooh's like, all right. So he goes through and he, and you pass these tests and then he leaves. And then he just shows up and he's like, hey guys, it's me, Pooh. Yeah. Friend. I always felt and like he, Pooh's appearance was very abrupt and it was just like all the other characters, you had to like, you kind of met them and then you're, or like with Jeff, you do this huge thing. But with Pooh, it's just like, he's there. Well, you, you do have to play as Pooh first. You so do, but but it's, sm- it's so much smaller than Jeff's part, if I recall correctly. It, it feels like an afterthought for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Much like Pooh. And so he, <laughs> he shows up. At some point, you learn how to teleport. I, I can't recall the specifics. Does a, um, does a monkey teach you to teleport? I think before you get to Summers, when you come out of Moonside, you go you get out of the bar or the cafe, and then the monkey mm. tells you to go back because the Talarama, he is, right. he's finished meditating, and you have to go in and pick up the yogurt dispenser. And then you go there, yeah, and it's it, it, this really annoying dungeon where you have yep. to go and, and give stuff to the monkeys. Yep, yep. That whole area was really obnoxious, actually. It wasn't hard. And most of the items you need were there. You only have to start with two items, and you eventually can get the rest. But what happened with me is I had so much fucking inventory. I had to keep going back and, like, dumping stuff before I realized, before I had enough room to be able to manage all the extra items you had to pick up to trade. And, um, yeah, so... So that, so eventually you, you get on the boat with everybody. You run, you go down to uh, the the desert, um, and in the desert gets a little. I, I remember not paying as much attention to the story there, but basically you go down to a pyramid. You use uh, you got this hieroglyph that tells you a way to open it. You open up the pyramid. You go into the pyramid and make your way through, and then you're in another area. Um, fuck, you're you're uh, in another part of the desert, and it's a little bit of a blank for me. And I guess you guys. Probably didn't do this part, but at any rate, make a long story short, you you have to go south again to this uh, the deep darkness, I believe is what it's called, which uh, is kind of this lost island or something. And then you go down there, you make your way through that, and you so you get to tend a village. You find out that you uh, they none of them will talk to you, so you're like shit. How do I do that? So so I think you get a call uh, from from Apple Kid, who's like, hey, uh, Doctor and Donuts got kidnapped. And then he gets kidnapped while you're on the call. And so you have to go back to, to Stonehenge and, and Donuts area to, to figure out what's going on. So you find out they've been kidnapped. And then you have to go into Stonehenge and underground into this, like, star base or whatever. And in there, you find out all these people, all these friends of yours are, are in these tubes. They've been kidnapped. I did get to that cave, but it was blocked by uh, an eraser. How do you get rid of that? You get, you get the eraser eraser from oh. um, <laughs> one of the people who are yeah, like was it was an apple kid or orange kid that made the eraser eraser or yeah, something like of, that. One of the two who makes the eraser eraser because the other one's kidnapped. So right, one right. Of the is, is the one who owns the Overcoming Shyness book that you need to get in order to pretend <laughs> to talk to you. So so you go in on this underground base, you free them, you fight. I think I think Belch has come back or something. Maybe he's later actually. Anyways, you fight, you break you break everyone out. They come out. Uh, Apple Kid, Orange Kid gives you the the Overcoming China's book, 
Well, actually, he tells you it's in the library in, in Onet. So you go back to Onet, <laughs> into the library, get the book, you bring the book to the Tenda Village, they all read the book, and now everybody's talking to you. So that's great. You're like, sweet, we're friends now. Um, so while there, they let you into the Lumine Hall, which is where you're, I think that's your seventh My Sanctuary stage place? Seventh or, yeah, it is the seventh one. You go in there, some pretty cool effects. You, you come out, you get your, your other melody, and then you're like, you, you, while you're in there, you go down these holes to get out. And one of the holes, the last hole, takes you to the Lost Underworld. So there's tendas down there too, but they've been cut off from the rest. And this is like place all the dinosaurs and your sprites are really, really small. So while you're in there, you find another village. And then eventually you go to the uh, Fire Spring, which is the last my uh, sanctuary place. So you go in there. And once you get the last sanctuary, your soundstone starts going nuts and, and Ness passes out. And you're in a place called Magicant which is basically this world that's created in Ness's brain that's made up of, of different people and enemies of Ness has been. And you have to like go to this the Sea of Eden while you're in there. And uh, I forget exactly what happens, but in the end, Ness gets like, his psychic powers are fully realized. You learn everything. You get a bunch of levels up. You gain like four or 500 HP and like 400 PP. And you just, all your stats are rising and you gain a bunch of levels because you've kind of become one with yourself or some shit. And so they wake up. So that's not really weird, but it's not done getting weird. So you go back to town to talk to Andrew and, and, and all the other smart characters, and you're like, okay, so you have all your the stuff that you need. you got to beat Guy. I guess he's afraid of you. So we're going to use this phase distorter. You, you ride this machine, and it will take you into the cave of the past in uh, the uh, underground world. Uh, it's a place that you can go into earlier, but you can't go anywhere because the, there's a gap there. So you get into this face distorter, which is like the Skyrunner, but it looks like a Mr. Saturn because the Mr. Saturns are also smart and they're helping you. And then <laughs> this face distorter takes you to the cave. While in the cave, you're looking around for Gygus, and you find this like ruined uh, machine that was there before that alludes to what's about to happen, I, I believe. It's like another ruined phase distorter. So you go up, you're like, hey, there's no Gygus here. And Donuts appears in a second phase distorter, and he's like, hey, uh, actually, he's in the past. You have to go in the past. He's, he's attacking us from, from, from eons ago. Uh, you need to go into this new machine. This will take you to the past. Unfortunately, this machine will, will destroy your bodies if you use it. So we're going to put your consciousness into robots instead, and send <laughs> robot versions of yourself <sighs> in the machine. No guarantee that you're going to be able to come back, by the way. So, uh, good luck. You go back into the past, into the same area, and then you... And you're all robots now. All the characters are now robots. You're all robots, but you have all your gear and stuff. It's Basically, you're the same, except you're robots. And then you walk into this, like, fleshy area, and that's where you fight Pokey and Gigas. I don't know how Pokey got back there. I guess it's because he's That's what I mean. That's, like, as a kid, when I got to that part, and I was just like, how did this happen? How is he the final boss? Is he Gigas? I was so confused as a kid. And as an adult, I think I'm still pretty confused about it. He says in there, I remember doing the boss fight, he says something along the lines of, Gigas isn't just evil or something like that. He's, he's pure evil that has become so powerful or whatever that he's just a non-entity anymore, and that Pokey is kind of using his power himself. That's kind of how I interpret it, at least. So when you beat Pokey, you then you then just finish Gygus off, and then when Gygus is defeated, your consciousness, or little balls of light, they start to uh, come out of the machine, and basically people all over the in the present are all like, 
kind of praying for you to come back or whatever. Because actually, during the fight, you have Paula's pray skill that you probably don't use that much during the game. It heals a little bit. But you actually need to pray for the final phase of the fight. You need to keep praying. You need to pray nine times. And as you're praying, you get these little cut scenes of different people, like, you guys can do it kind of thing. It's actually it's pretty rewarding. It's nice to see. And then after you beat him and he dies, your consciousness go back into the present and go back into your body. And it does another thing that's kind of cool, too. So I didn't do much of this because I was, like, done at this point. I felt done. But before the credits roll, you're playing as Ness, and you basically some people go their own ways. You bring Paula home. And then you can go around the whole world talking to people, and you'll get different reactions and stuff. And then at the very end, when you want to finish the game, you go home to your mom, and then you're telling your mom your adventure, and that's when you start seeing all the photo, uh, Mr. Photo Man stuff, and then the credits play. It's, it's, it's a pretty cute ending, and it's pretty, it's, it's nice. It's nice. And that's, that's the full boilered uh, Earthbound. Nonsensical adventure. Yeah, as told by Rob with a shitty memory. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so damage. So basically, our damage system, and, and we can we can celebrate Seiji because it's not just two health, like the last couple games have been. It's just uh, walking three health. So basically, we're all responsible for one damage worth each. Uh, so if you do no damage, you need to love the game and you recommend it to everyone. If you do full damage, you hate the game and you recommend it to no one. It's a biased recommendation system and not very consistent with itself, it seems. So, Seiji, you want to go first? No, I I, I want to listen to you guys because I I don't know. Right, yeah. I'll I'll go first since I I barely I didn't really play it, but I have I have a experience with it, so it's still really? legitimate to Absolutely. damage it. Um, so a, a little funny little side story is that when I first played Earthbound, I hated it. Um, because at the time I was playing things like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI and uh, aforementioned uh, Breath of Fire. So I was used to like those types of games. And literally what really threw me off for Earthbound is how you got into battle to you didn't see your characters. I hated it. I absolutely <laughs> hated it. 100% the same way. I was. That's why I didn't like Lufia when I was a kid. Right, right. Agreed. Yeah. I want to see my characters. Yeah. Um, but I got over that eventually when I had some friends being like, you really got to play it. It's a lot of fun. If you like all, you feel like Chrono Trigger, you like Final Fantasy VI, three at the time, you'll lo- really like Earthbound. And I'm like, great, cool. So I, I really gave it a good shot. And then that's when I like kind of really started liking it and seeing its charm when I was a kid. Um, I, 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 the ending I always found really weird. I still you know, whatever, but the game is weird. And as a kid, you know, I don't think I was as accustomed to like, you know, humor and, and, and how it's almost, like you said, it's like a, a, a satirical view of America from a Japanese point of view. Like all of that was obviously lost on me as a kid. Um, so it was, it was a really fun experience, even without knowing all of that, it's still a really, really good game. And if you, you really like to play RPGs, especially. You owe it yourself a lot to play Earthbound. So I'm I'm easily gonna go no damage on Earthbound. I can't damage Earthbound. You can't you can't do. All right. You may have swayed me a little bit left. Earthbound's weird. Cause the game is not perfect by any means. And there are definitely games that we've damaged more that I I think are maybe better. But Earthbound is weird because it's like, besides the fact the game is so quirky and unique in of itself, it's like it has such a cult presence, such a word of mouth love for this game that I, I feel like most people should try it. I mean, you can play it. It's not 
It's not the easiest to get a hold of in some ways. If you emulate, then yeah, it's super easy. I get, but it's, you get the SNES Classic. You can get it on the 3DS. You can get it on the Wii U. <laughs> uh, so at least people with the 3DS, which is a lot of people. So I guess it is accessible enough. Uh, and the game is fun, and it's pretty revolutionary in a lot of places, but cumbersome in others. It's fun. All right, so, but we're not, I'm not saying, I'm not doing a recommendation whether you should beat it or not. I'm doing recommending whether you should play it. I think people should play it. It's weird. It's it's fun. Uh, I'm, I'm torn between a quarter damage and no damage, but I, I'm going, I'm riding off left's high of no damage. Nice. So I'm going to go no damage too. Wow. No, sorry guys. I hate to be, to be, to be this guy. I actually was, was expecting like a different thing so I could go, go softer on the game. But okay. So you guys play RPGs. You guys are familiar with, with these kinds of games. I'm really not. And I'm, I don't really like RPGs that much. I enjoyed this one much, much more because of the theme. Because it wasn't like your typical, you know, high fantasy dragons, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's not really that thing that I that I don't like about RPGs. I, I do like those those themes and those narratives. It's just that the systems are, to me, are very contrived. Are kind of like, like when I'm playing a game, I want a, a more pure experience. The the thing that I that I struggle with with RPGs is that you have this this intention to really experience the story and to get to know the characters and read the text and all these kinds of things, which a lot of people enjoy, and I do enjoy also. But also, usually, the gameplay systems, I feel that they don't they don't match with each other. Like, maybe it's, it's an acquired taste, but I don't think... Yeah, like, I, every time I get an, an RPG that has a different theme that is not that, like, it, to me, works a little bit better. Like, it works with Pokemon... But Pokemon is really good also. Um, and it worked a little bit better with this game. And also, I, I was thinking about Undertale and how Undertale is really like a, a much better version of this kind of thing because it has a humor. What they do with the gameplay is it's very interesting. But in, in Earthbound, I feel that that's what it's not letting the game shine so much because it's so contrived. Like it's it, A lot of things are very inconvenient, as I was saying. It was kind of... Mm. And you know what? At the beginning of the game, I was I was enjoying it a lot more because I had I was taking my time. I'll go to a place. I'll I'll talk to every single NPC to to read what they were gonna say, and that get, gave me a better sense of of the story, of the the context, of of the actions that I needed to to do, and up to like on it two, on three, and, and to a certain extent foresight. But that that is when when the game kind of like started uh wanted you to to backtrack a little bit and take the bus and then go to these areas in the in the desert and i needed a guide at that point i was fully on a guide because also i, I didn't want to like um waste that much time and you know what earthbound it's an amazing cultural thing right it's it's funny it's well it's well made but the, i i can't i cannot go full uh, no damage because i don't think you should even play it to get to know earthbound that that well like a lot of a lot of the things that we know about earthbound um the good things that that earthbound has they're elsewhere you know they're you you can read about it you can uh, check other games you can um read a lot of these jokes and and 
Yeah, again, that website, the Legends of Localization, you just go through it, you get a lot of that. But it has a lot of good things. So that's why I'll go soft and I'll just go with a quarter damage because I feel that, <laughs> yes, I agree. If you go there and just play it for a little bit, you're going to enjoy it, you're going to laugh. Uh, but the game, uh, I didn't really like the, playing the game that much. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. If we were doing a damage system based on purely how good the game is, then I would probably give it a lower score just because of the cumbersome mechanics. I don't know. I think I think what you what needs to be kind of kept in mind is that you know it is you know this is a Super Nintendo era game, and I may, maybe I'm more lenient after having played Breath of Fire, where it also kind of experienced some of these issues with like limited inventory and a lot of this like talk to this person then talk to this like all this like fetch stuff that that is present in these types of games that that don't really exist nowadays unless they're very specific game mechanic that they want you to have because i feel that like with super nintendo games they had these because they were kind of limited on what maybe they could do um so i kind of feel like a lot of your gripes may be just the fact that it's not as polished as you know a a modern take like because you keep you know undertale um, where you know they obviously have the advantage of, of having a lot more games having been developed in that course of that time so they can they can fix those mistakes and I think that you know earthbound a lot of the gripes that you have with it were just all Super Nintendo RPGs pretty much had these kinds of things um, so I don't know if you should hold that too much against earthbound in particular rather than just you know Super Nintendo RPGs in general that's just my opinion Two and three quarters uh, health for me. It's pretty Pretty not too bad. It's not bad at all. And fortunately, it's not as great as Cuphead, which had no damage. I I haven't played Cuphead, but I don't think I'd give it any damage. It looks fucking awesome. I think you'd really give it When it's on sale on the the Switch eShop, you should grab it for yourself. Yeah, I think I might. We can play it together sometime, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's end this episode because guess what? I'm really hungry. Uh, so awesome that you came. I, I hope that you come for more. Uh, the next game is I started it. It's already really, really fun, and it, it, I, I like it a lot, actually. So I was just looking at buying it, so I might, I might join. You should. It, the game is really cool. I think you, yeah. you'll dig it. Anyways, so thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you later. This is Rob, Left, and Seiji. Nice. Yeah.